I uh, really, really, really believe, and hear me, hear me say this. I really, really believe with all of my heart that God desires to have a relationship with you that's unique and personal and special in your heart, in your life to God. So many of us try to pattern our experience with the Lord after somebody else's. And God don't want you to be somebody else. You know why? He made you to be you. He knows everything about you, good and bad. And he loves you just the way you are. And when everybody else on the planet, you may feel that they forsake you or don't love you or don't care for you, he will always be there. Listen to this pastor just say this. In my darkest hours of my life, when I felt like that I had failed God and failed my family and the world and everybody, and I would be by myself with nobody there but me and him, he never would leave me. He never would forsake me. He would always be there to love me. And listen to me. He will do the same with you. Always. At all times. At all places. You may not feel it or understand it, but I promise you, He will always be there. And He will always love you. Where you are, let me say, listen to this, and how you are. Some of us are rascals. He loves rascals. He loves us because he chose to love us. Now today, I, I, I want to do my best to talk about some things today. And you know, one of, one of the things I always deal with when you begin to speak, we all have biases. We always have certain ideals or understandings and opinions. And, and, and if we're not careful, when somebody says something and we take it a certain way or we hear it a certain way, we, we, we say, I don't agree. And, 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 and it's, I'm not asking you to agree or disagree with me. I do want you to hear what the Holy Spirit might want to say to you today in this message. And uh, the, the, I, I give messages, messages titles because they tell me I have to for TV and the notes and all those kinds of things. I don't always title messages because I'm just not a title person. But anyway, I titled this today, The Stone Was Rolled Away. I'm going to read a passage from Matthew in a moment. I'm going to read one verse in Revelation 1 first. And then I'm going to read to you about the morning that they came to the tomb where Jesus was buried and an angel had rolled the stone away. Now, some of us don't see the significance of that, but I want you to understand that what Jesus came to do was to do away with an old covenant, an old law, and bring into existence a new life and a new relationship with the risen Savior. The stone that was rolled away in my mind represents what in the Old Testament was written on stone the law, the commandments. In my mind, when that stone was rolled away, God was saying to us, this law, this covenant has been fulfilled. It has ended. 
and it is no longer in the way. The new covenant that Jesus brought only has two commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Look at somebody right now like, that you love like you. Will you just look around and look at somebody you love like you? Some of you are staring straight ahead. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> that to me is one of the most difficult commandments there is. Because sometimes I have a hard time loving me. And when I don't love me, I struggle loving others. So I want to love me enough that I can love others because that's what he tells us to do. Now, in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 18, here's what Jesus said. This is in red letters. I am he who lives and was dead. Y'all know Jesus died. Jesus the man died. He died. I, was, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Yeah. Amen. And now listen to this next statement. And I have the keys to Hades and death. Listen to me. When you have the keys to something, you can unlock it. Death couldn't keep him. Hell couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't keep him in there because the stone was rolled away. Now, in Matthew, the 28th chapter, beginning at verse 1, let me just read you a little bit about this story. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, and the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. Thank you, Jesus. And he said, come, see the place where the Lord lay. And so quickly, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they quickly went out, so they went out quickly from the tomb and with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they will see me. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the greatest event that has ever taken place on planet Earth. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. Listen to me. Hell's been conquered. Death's been conquered. The grave's been conquered. People, people leave these bodies, but they're still alive because Jesus conquered death. Now, 
Listen carefully to me say this. Satan is defeated. Not going to be. He wants to deceive you into you believing that he is big bad news. But he's defeated. Jesus defeated him. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, here's what it says. Speaking of Jesus, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Do you realize when Jesus died, he went to Hades. He went to where all the Old Testament people who had died were, and he preached to them. He went, made a public spectacle of the devil and all of his cohorts. See, the Bible says that if they would have known what Jesus was going to do, they had never crucified him. The devil had no clue what Jesus was going to do. But he made a public spectacle of everything they did. He destroyed them. In that day from the crucifixion, his burial, Jesus' body was in that tomb, but his soul and his spirit went into that spiritual dimension, that spiritual realm where that demonic host is, where the angelic host is, where all of the, that other remnant. He went into there and he defeated, defeated the enemy. And he preached the gospel to all the Old Testament saints. And on resurrection morning, the power of resurrection was so powerful that a lot of the people who were already dead rose up beside Jesus. There were other people who had died who were up walking the streets. Can you imagine burying your grandmother or your dad 15 days before that and all of a sudden you say, well, hey, there you are. That's what the Bible says happened. Now, he died as the Lamb of God. Now, you've got to understand, under the law, every year the high priest would have to offer a sacrifice for sin. Every year you had to bring an animal, a lamb or a dove. You had to bring something to offer sacrifice for your sins. And Jesus was the Lamb of God who was slain for the sins of the entire world. So he died the lamb, but he arose, listen carefully, as the Lord high priest. See, in the old covenant, they would go in, the high priest was the only one who could go in there and take the blood and offer it for sin. But Jesus died as the lamb, but when he arose from the dead, he was the Lord high priest. Now just think with me for a moment. I want to try to paint a picture and I hope you can follow me in your mind. He conquered death and the grave. He took, listen to me, he took his own blood as the high priest. He took his own blood into the heavenly holy of holies to satisfy eternal redemption. The tomb, I've heard Lynn Howell say this hundreds of times, the tomb became a womb for what he was birthing on planet Earth. The tomb that he was buried in became the womb that brought new life to you and I. <sighs> Just try to go with me in this. Can you imagine 
what spectacle it was in heaven when Jesus, who had been the Christ of glory, the eternal Son of God, came and took on an earth suit. We, we know the story of Christmas. We know them being birthed and growing and having a ministry and being here on this earth for 33 years. So can you imagine that morning as Jesus, who was the Lamb of God who was slain, came walking into heaven carrying his own blood walking into the Holy of Holies. Just go with me for a moment. Follow me. Imagine him doing that. Listen to me. This was the climax of a dream. Redemption. Mankind being redeemed back to God has now been consummated and the legal side of the great redemption charter has come into being because no longer will individuals have to take their own lamb or their own turtle dove and go have offerings for their sin. You can no longer pay a debt. He's coming in to pay. He who knew no sin took on the sins of the world so that he could take his blood that was shed to conquer sin forever. Yes. It's conquered. Death is defeated. Sin has been conquered. Jesus has gone through and he's come through agony and torture died on the cross, took the sins. You see, he didn't die just for me and you. He died as me and you. He took our sin. He, he had no sin to take to the cross. He took your sins and my sins, past, present, and future, with him to the cross that day. And think about it. He is now entering into the holy of holies in the heavenly dimension with his blood. He's been absent for 33 years. He hadn't been there for 33 years because he went and got in an earth suit called Jesus. 33 years he hadn't been there. And all of a sudden, he's coming home walks in to the heavenly realm bearing his own blood. And now they realize he is the high priest of a brand new covenant. Now, please hear me say this. Most of us has been raised not really knowing the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant because we were raised with all these rules and laws put on us. See, you were told you're saved by grace and that there's nothing you can do to add to the grace. You've been told it was a gift from God, but it's like when you get it, now you gotta work to keep it. Such a deception of the enemy. I don't work to keep my salvation. I just like to work because I'm saved. Because he lives in me. I want to do what he wants me to do because of what he paid for me. Total difference. You do it because you're saved, not to be saved. And so many people don't know the difference. That's why so many people play Christian Monopoly. Y'all know what Christian Monopoly is, don't you? That's when you get that card that says, go to jail, do not pass gold, do not collect the $200. So many Christians look around at you and your behavior and say, go to hell, do not pass God, and do not collect $200. <laughs> you 
It's amazing how many people want to send people to hell when Jesus came and gave his life and died and resurrection is about nobody. He has the keys to death and hell. Quit trying to judge other people. That's not in my message. That's a rabbit trail. Here he is, the high priest of a brand new covenant, bringing his own blood into the heavenly holy of holies. And I'm saying to you, there's never been a moment like this in history. Never been another time like this very moment. Now think about it for a moment. The father sitting there, the son's been gone for 33 years. I can't explain to you how time 33 years and God's everywhere, all-knowing all and everywhere at all time. I'm, I'm not trying to get in. I'm trying to paint you a picture of what happened on this day that we celebrate as Resurrection Day. The Father had seen the Son being nailed to the cross for sins that weren't His. When sin touched Him, the Bible implies that God turned His back. Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He understood a concept that was there. The Father had seen his suffering. He had witnessed the terrible conflict that Jesus had when he went into hell and conflicted with the devil and took away the keys to death, hell, and the grave, and he made that open spectacle of them triumphing in him. They didn't know what he had come to do, but he came and he did the job. The Father had witnessed all of that. He stripped the devil of his authority. What did he do? He arose from the dead. At that moment, he became high priest. Him marching into the heavenly holy of holies with his own blood was the first work he did as the high priest. You remember he said to them when they first saw him, one of the uh, writers in the gospel said, he said, don't touch me because I've not yet ascended to my father and your father because he had to go and perform that work before he did anything else here on this earth in, a, in the context of what he was doing. He's high priest. He's presented the blood. Satan's been conquered, conquered. The claims of justice have been met. All of humanity has been redeemed. And God now, because of that blood on that heavenly altar, now has legal grounds, legal grounds, think with me, the debt of sin was paid forever. God now has legal grounds to give eternal life to you and I, to all of mankind. The debt of sin is paid. You can't pay it, you can't add to it. Jesus paid it all. So in that moment, this Jesus became the savior of the world. He had, said man, he had settled man's sin problem and he dealt with sin. Guys, listen to me. This is, this is a reality of what happened, of why we celebrate Easter, why we celebrate the resurrection, what literally took place for us. I want you to get this. Jesus, before he came as Christ, the anointed one, was a spirit. He was spirit. Jesus left heaven, came to the earth, became a human being, became a man like me and you, and all of a sudden when he comes walking into 
the eternal heaven of heavens to the heavenly host, the heavenly place with his own blood. He is walking in there as the man, Christ Jesus. Grant you he's a resurrected man, but he's a man. He will never lay aside his humanity. Do you realize that he will always wear an earth suit? Throughout all of eternity, Jesus will be the God-man. This Jesus, listen to me say this, this Jesus is the head of of the church. I'm not the head. You're not the head. The church bosses aren't the head. Every church has church bosses. They just think they're in charge. Jesus is in charge of building his church. Now you can go build your church if you want to. I'm really not trying to build my church. I really want to build his church. Do you understand that? And his church is about loving people where they are, accepting people where they are, and forgiving people of everything they've ever done or ever will do. Love, acceptance, and forgiveness is the church that Jesus is building. He's the firstborn of a new creation of people that had never ever existed before. Do you realize he's the very first one that conquered death, hell, and the grave and was resurrected in newness of life? And then Jesus, after he pays the price, puts his blood, offers the sacrifice, this man then walks over and is seated beside his heavenly father in heavenly places, in that spiritual dimension. Listen to me. Heaven's not a planet three miles south of Mars somewhere. Heaven is another dimension that's all around us, that's everywhere. Listen carefully to me. He sat down at the right hand of the father and now he is the mediator of a brand new covenant. Everybody listen to me. The stone was rolled away. The law was fulfilled. It ceased to be. In the Old Testament, you will find Jesus concealed. In the New Testament, you will find Jesus revealed. He's in the Old Testament. He's there and everything, but he's concealed there in the New Testament. He's revealed. It's a brand new covenant. By the way, let me just say this. The Old Covenant was filled with a lot of thou shalt nots. Got a lot of people that that's what they get out of church is thou shalt not. You know, I grew up in church and I can remember as a little boy Somebody said, you go to church? I'd say, yeah, I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't go with girls who do. <laughs> Why? I knew more about what we didn't believe as a little boy than I knew what we believed. See, the old covenant was thou shalt not. The new covenant is thou shalt. Love the Lord with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. It's not about what you don't do. It's about what you're now able to do with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because Jesus conquered all of death. Now, the stone was rolled away. The old covenant was fulfilled. Let me read you some scripture here just to give you a picture of what I'm saying from scripture. In Hebrews chapter 5, you can read right along with me. Hebrews 5, beginning at verse 5, it says, So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And he also says in another place, 
You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Verse 9. And having been perfected, he became the author. Listen, when he walked in there with his blood, he became the source, the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. What do I have to do? Love God and love your neighbor. That's all you got to do. I want to be a Christian. What do I got to do to be a Christian? I got to quit this? No, love God and love your neighbor. Just love them, accept them. And if you walk with anybody over five or ten minutes, you're going to have to forgive them for something. Why? Because you ain't going to see eye to eye with everybody. Chapter 7, verse 22. Just watch this. By so much more, Jesus has become a surety, a surety of a better covenant. Chapter 8, verse 6. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father mediating a better covenant which was established on better promises. Verse 13 of chapter 8. In that he says, a new covenant he has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Chapter 9, verse 11. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come. With the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is not of this creation. Now watch, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works, dead works to serve a living God? Let me just do this right now. Father, I pray that our consciousness, the ability that we have to have a good, clear conscience before you gets purified and cleansed today by your word. That we no longer walk in guilt and shame and condemnation, but that those listening today and hearing your word will allow themselves to understand they can live free from sin in a right relationship with you. Help us to be free, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Chapter 9, look at verse 24. For Christ has not entered the holy place made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God Everybody say those last two words. For us. Not just for me, for us. That's why I can love you just like I love me is because he did for you just what he did for me. And when I don't deserve it, I want you to love me. And when you don't deserve it, I need to love you. Because he did it for us. Chapter 10, verse 2. For then would they not have ceased to be offered for the worshipers once purified, now watch this, would have no more consciousness of sins. Will you look at me and listen to me? If you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself, quit worrying about sin. Because if you love somebody, you're not going to do anything to hurt, harm, or danger. You don't have to go around worried, so afraid. Well, you know, we, you just don't know when you sin. Yeah, you do. When we sin, most of us do it willingly. Yeah. We think we, you know, we'll get forgiveness later. I don't need to get on that. Chapter 
10, verse 11. I'm, and every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. That's what the old covenant did. Every day they offered sacrifices. They never took away sin. But this man, do y'all see this man? It doesn't say this God. It says, but this man, the man Christ Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Now watch. From that time waiting, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. That's me and you. We have been perfected and are being sanctified, set apart. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now guys, that empty tomb that Jesus was buried in became a womb for a brand new covenant that you and I are under that we as Gentiles have the privilege and the opportunity to walk in a right relationship with God. We have at this very moment eternal life. At this very moment, we have in our heart, in our soul, in our spirit, everlasting life. And our life, Paul said it this way, for me to live is Christ. He went on to say, and to die is gain. Because we stay on this side, we grieve for those that we lose. But they're in a better place. They're in the presence of Almighty God. Their life is now in Christ in a reality in the spiritual realm. The old law, the old covenant was fulfilled and God is now writing new laws on our hearts. Would you hear me say this? When you're born again and you invite Jesus Christ into your heart and he takes up residence on the inside of you, you can walk with him, you can talk with him, you can fellowship with him, you can commune with him, you can live with him every day of your life. And he's, he will tell you everything you need to do. And I, and I know a whole lot of people who, who don't practice this say, well, I just, I just don't hear anything. Well, if you'd shut your brain up for a little while and start listening to your heart of hearts and start tuning in on the right frequency, God will talk to you. Let me give you a couple of verses. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Jesus said, a stranger they will not follow. Pastor, how are people going to be governed in this new kingdom where you trust your heart and you trust what's on the inside and God talks to them from the inside? How are we governed? We are governed by who God is. Oh, I know, but God's all these things. God is all this other stuff. No, no. God is love. Agape. Not filio, not a human love. Not eros, not a physical love. Agape. God 
is love. So what are you governed by, Pastor? Love. Pastor, I think you need to go straighten out this problem. I got a problem with so-and-so and I need you to straighten it out. And I look at you and I say, well, are you willing to love them? No, I don't want love right now. I can't give them love till they do what they got to do. No, you got to give them love when they don't deserve it. Because God gave you love when you didn't deserve it. Wonder what would, wonder what would happen. Now, this, it, this think about it. Wonder what would happen if Christians started loving one another. Huh? I, I, I mean, wonder what would happen. Here's a good one for you. This was a real miracle. What if politicians started loving one another? <laughs> it ain't gonna happen till we Christians get started. If we'll just start trying to love one another, why? Because of what Jesus did for every human being on the planet. Two more passages of scripture from the book of Ephesians and I'm gonna close. Ephesians chapter two. Look at verse 13. But now, everybody say now. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Do you realize resurrection about his taking his own blood into that heavenly holy holiness? Watch this. For he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the, flesh, the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. Verse 19, now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Chapter three, verse 16. This is my prayer for us today in closing. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, not the brain man, not the carnal man, in the inner man, the spirit man that you are, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Listen to me. You gotta believe that Christ lives in you if you don't believe he lives in you. And the only way you can believe is not cause you feel it, it's because the word declares it. I accept Christ, he comes and takes up residence on the inside of me. Now he walks with me, he talks with me, he lives with me. His law is in my heart cause he's in my heart. I don't have to do anything without his doing it with me. Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being, watch this, rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints. Now for those of you who are visiting that haven't been here in the last year, I want you to understand, you're not sinners, you're saints. Now, Mr. Farley, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, if you're a sinner, you're not saved. 
When you accepted Christ and he took residence inside of you, you became a saint not because of you and your flesh, it's because he lives inside of you. All of the New Testament books are written to saints, not to sinners. Seeing yourself as a sinner is an old covenant mentality. May be able to comprehend with all the saints, punch somebody and say, hello, saint. Now watch, here's what you're able to comprehend. We gotta comprehend this. What is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled, that you may be filled, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. How do you get filled with all the fullness of God? What is God? Who is God? God is love. This goes beyond your knowledge. You say, Pastor, I don't understand. Join the club. I still want to believe that his love can work and operate through me. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Look at me. Do you know what the power is that works in you? Love. L-O-V-E is what works inside of you. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. How long? To all generations. That's us. Forever and forever. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? Amen. Do you guys realize what day we're celebrating today? Yes. We're celebrating the greatest day in all of history. Yes. Jesus conquered death, hell, the grave, paid for the sin of the entire world. Listen, there's nothing you can do to pay for your sin because the debt's been paid. And you and I get to walk around today in life having a relationship with a risen Savior who lives in us by His Spirit. You know, that ought to make us smile. That ought to make us have joy. I realize we go through battles and fight things here in this earth. I realize that. But you don't have to face anything you face by yourself. He's with you and will walk with you every step of the way. Amen? Yes. Stand with me, would you? Before I pray, let me just say this. The kids may not be finished yet. You know, they were going to do Easter egg hunt and do some other things, so I don't want you to go over there and, and interrupt them because I didn't preach as long as I can sometimes. So let them finish whatever they're doing before you go over there. But here's what I want us to pray today. And if you would, I'd like for everybody in this building to just pray this prayer with me and repeat me as I pray. Dear Lord, I'm asking you to fill me with your love, with your life, with what you have destined for me. Help me to love God like you do and help me to love others just like you do. Dear Lord, my flesh gets in my way 
but I desire to follow you and live for you and put my life on the line for you. So help me, Lord, to trust you, to depend on you, to believe that you are with me every step of the way. Heavenly Father, I invite the power of your Holy Spirit, the power of your love to flood my heart and my body at this moment. Save me, heal me, make me whole. I ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Heavenly Father, I pray for this body right now as a corporate people. May this be a day that we celebrate and honor exactly what Jesus did for us. He didn't just conquer hell. He conquered death, he conquered sin, he conquered everything that would hinder us from walking with you every day of our lives. So Lord Jesus, I just ask you to help us. Walk with us, go with us. Help us to recognize your presence among us, I pray. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Our altar workers will be up front here. If you need prayer for anything, I would ask you to come forward. We will pray with you. If you need help with anything, we just ask you to come forward. I so appreciate everybody being here today. Listen to me, if you're here and you've recommitted your life to Christ, just tell somebody, will you? Please come and tell me, I wanna know. I just encourage you today, I love you. Come see me, I love you, God bless you.